Welcome to Blog and May Blog from DougWills.com. This audio is brought to you by Canon Press. With all the local fracas here in Moscow, Idaho, Douglas Wilson yesterday sat down in front of New St. Andrews and did a Q&A with Dr. Ben Merkel, as well as Pastor Toby Sumter, about the ethics of protests and what exactly they had in mind as far as tactics and the legality and the illegality of all that's happening here. Uh, this was filmed after the first Psalm Sing protest and right before, a day before the second Psalm Sing protest, which will happen later today. Today is Friday, September 25th. So if you're interested in hearing more from Pastor Douglas Wilson and Pastor Toby Sumter on what their intentions are at the City Hall today, and the other day, here is that Q&A at New St. Andrews College. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your uh, kindness to us, your goodness to us in Jesus. Thank you for how you've blessed our community so richly uh, over many years. And thank you for blessing us in such a way as to have been even preparing us uh, for this moment and for the challenges and opportunities it, it presents. We want to be faithful servants in this moment. We want to be faithful stewards with it. And so we ask that you would give us wisdom and grace as we consider um, how to walk before you faithfully. And we ask that you bless this conversation and ask that it would be pleasing to you and helpful to everyone here and everyone that watches. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let me um, begin with this, uh, just a summary statement of what, what we were up to. When, when the lockdown first happened, when coronavirus first hit, um, my operating default assumption is that the civil magistrate has the authority, biblical authority, to quarantine. He has the biblical authority to prevent uh, uh, a pandemic from uh, rampaging through the populace. And so our initial response was to give uh, credence to the claim that we were facing this terrible uh, disease, asteroid sort of thing. And so uh, we, um, we canceled our regular worship services for three Sundays and, and had our services uh, stream, um, broadcast uh, online. Uh, we did that for three Sundays. Then we did three Sundays uh, with a drive-in service. And then after those six Sundays, we went back to regular um, meeting. And part of this, part of the reason for that is as time progressed, as we went um, deeper and deeper into it, it became more and more apparent how political the whole thing um, had was in some people's minds was from the beginning or how political it became uh, early on uh, so we were uh, so we began worshiping in person without masks with excuse me without masks required masks are permitted at church but we don't mandate them and we've not been policing that we've done a few mild things like have descent des uh, hand sanitizer available and the rose farther apart and that sort of thing, but it's very modest adjustments. So that's what we did. This last Monday, uh, the city council uh, unanimously extended uh, their masking order till January 5th, right? Till, till January 5th. Now, when we get to January 5th, since there, the, since there have been no logical, pre-published, defined criteria that will tell us when we're out of this state of emergency, 
uh, we're just at their whim. We're just at their say-so. And as of January, when this next order expires, we will just be three months away from being able to have it be a whole year. Right. So this thing started in March, and we can, we can find ourselves this coming March, uh, if they extend it one more time, uh, masked up for a year. And that messes a people up. That messes, that's just not good. Particularly when um, uh, Idaho is one of the least touched states in the union, and Latah County is one of the least touched counties in the state of Idaho. So we're right at the bottom of uh, the risk territory. Uh, we're this, in other words, Latah County is not, objectively is not, in a state of emergency. Um, we have not had one hospitalization. We have not had one death, right? No, no deaths, no hospitalizations in Latah County. And it, became, it was becoming apparent to us that this is, this is just lame. This is, uh, so that, there was that. Then just a few weeks ago, uh, there was a wedding, and Mayor Lambert officiated at the wedding and did so without wearing a mask. Uh, there was one city council, the extension of the order was unanimous. There was one city council um, at the wedding, uh, city council member, and the mayor, and law enforcement was at the wedding, and nobody was wearing masks, which indicates to us that, and there, we have photos of, of the event. Uh, this indicates to us that they do not believe that standing unmasked outside uh, within six feet of somebody else is a hazard. They don't believe that. So they're not, they're not, it's not like they're imposing a law that they believe in and we don't believe in. They're imposing a law that they don't believe in any more than we do, right? They, they, they just, it's just manifest uh, power play. So after this um, happened, uh, basically after the extension of the order on Monday, we thought it was time for us to uh, make a uh, protest slash statement uh, that was peaceable, brief, respectful, uh, all of the things that it, uh, needs to be from Christians. And so we organized a flash psalm sing. We've had psalm sings and Christmas carol sings for years uh, at Friendship Square usually in other different places. We've had one flash psalm sing before and that was in Friendship Square as an answer to the BLM protest. There was a Black Lives Matter protest in Friendship Square and so we immediately applied for a uh, permit to do a psalm sing there to see if they would give us a permit having uh, allowed BLM uh, to be there. So we did it once before, and this time we did it at this, the city council in response to the high-handedness of the order. Uh, so uh, the, basically what we did at city hall was fully legal and constitutional. We were not breaking the law. Uh, it is our conviction that the people imposing a, an erroneous understanding of a misguided order were the ones who were violating the law. So we don't believe we were violating the law, we believe that others were. So uh, that, that's an, uh, a statement of the overall situation. I'll, I'll begin by addressing one question, probably this is the central question that I've uh, heard more than any other question in response to what are you guys doing? Um, and that is, uh, 
uh, in the response, and this this thing has blown up on social media. It's uh, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, uh, so it's it's a big deal. Uh, Gabe Wrench is going to be on Laura Ingram's show tonight. Um, uh, senior people in the administration are tweeting about it. Uh, you know, this is a this is a story that has feet. Part of the reason, uh, some our critics would say, part of the reason it has feet is that you guys are lying your heads off about what happened. Um, you were not, these people were not arrested, so the objection goes, for singing psalms. These people were not arrested for singing psalms. They were arrested for not maintaining social distance or wearing a mask. Uh, they could have been out there all day long singing a psalm and it wouldn't, and the city wouldn't have cared if they're out in the parking lot by themselves singing a psalm. Um, because it, so they would say it wasn't for psalm singing it wasn't for um, you're not being persecuted for Christ's sake you know that sort of thing but here's the this is the thing that's important to note um, in the order um, First Amendment rights expressly basically First Amendment rights including the right to petition for redress of grievances and protest protest and religious worship are exemptions, right? These are uh, particularly exempted under the order, which is why what we were doing was legal. So we, we assembled to sing psalms, which is an exempted activity, okay? We assembled to sing, so it's crucial that we were singing psalms because that's an exempted activity. Um, and they ignored the fact that it was an exempted activity and just went ahead and proceeded with citations and arrests. Okay, so that's, that's the lay of the land. So let's open it up for um, questions that you all might have. And we, will, uh, we don't have a mic out there, so we'll repeat uh, the questions as they come in. Gordon? So um, the, the question is, can we uh, share a specific place in the code where that we could appeal to if the policeman says you need to stop uh, singing? All right, so um, that's basically the question, and you want something better than my cousin Melvin told me it might be okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, there's several things. One is I've got the code I've got the code right here, but the more important thing and the thing that resonates and the reason this is blown up on social media is that the highest law in the land is the Constitution. And in the First Amendment of the Constitution, we have a list of protected activities, okay? Um, and I, I think it's just be the best thing to do is to say, uh, Officer, respectfully, not, not yelling, not angry, not hostile. Officer, what I'm doing here is protected 
by the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. I'm, worship, I'm singing a psalm to God, um, and we're doing it in this context because we are wanting the civil magistrate to take note of what we're doing because we're petitioning for a redress of grievances, which is also in the First Amendment, and we're exercising our right to free speech, which is also in the First Amendment. So I, I would go straight to the Constitution, and that's, uh, and because people are familiar with that. If you start burrowing down into the depths of the Idaho Code or the mayor, mayoral order, that's something for our attorneys to do, and the, and the material is there. We're fine, we're solid there as well. But for the man on the street, I would simply say, this is a protected activity under the First Amendment of the Constitution. They will say, come along anyway. Yeah, they, they won't, that probably won't matter to them, but that would be the answer. But does that First Amendment say anything like exemption to, um, even under these circumstances? No, the First Amendment doesn't, uh, doesn't address that. But our attorneys, uh, basically states of emergency, do not erase the Constitution. That's, and that's settled law also. One of the other things to mention uh, just was that the Black Lives Matter rally that happened in July happened after the mayoral proclamation of emergency. And there were actually three of them here in Moscow. Um, there was over the course of a weekend, three Black Lives Matter rallies. I don't know if all three of them had permits from the city. We knew at least one of them did. Uh, which is why we did our flash psalm sing at that time. But the, the police were, were not out surrounding these crowds of people. They were not getting citations. They were not getting arrested. Um, so again, it's just sort of this massive um, uh, uh, two, uh, you know, two different standards kind of thing. Can we go right here then? Can you repeat that? Yeah, if, the question was, if tomorrow everyone social distances, there won't be arrests? I think that's correct. I think if they went out and helpfully the night before painted a dot six, on, all over the parking lot, the, uh, so you, if you stand on the dot uh, and the next person is on the next dot, you won't be arrested. So if you're wearing a mask and singing, you won't be arrested. If you distance from others, you won't be arrested. And I don't want to... Um, tell people to, if you want to come and sing, and sing six feet away from everybody else, please, please feel free. Yeah. But in, um, in between the dots is lava. <laughs> lava. You have to jump from dot to dot. But um, I, I do think that that's an important question, because I think that there, there are, um, if you're one of the students, you have, I think, a few different questions in mind. One is, should I go? The second question is, if I go, there are different strategies of behavior. You could go and cheerfully just keep your six feet of distance and you would be just fine. And, um, or you could go and stand next to other people and see what happens. Or you could go and, um, and ostentatiously hug your best friend in front of the police officer um, baiting the <laughs> As citation. happened yesterday. <laughs> As might have happened yesterday. <laughs> so, so if you're a student thinking through that, you've got sort of this decision chain to work through. And I'm wondering, Doug, um, what kind of advice and exhortations would you give for, at each of those junctures? Yeah, this is, this is a tactic 
not a conscience issue. So um, that means uh, the believers in Moscow are not under any moral obligation to show up and sing. Uh, they're not, it's, uh, this is a, a tactic we are employing. It's not something that we're requiring of anybody. So that's, it's a tactic. That means that each individual has cost-benefit analyses to do. So if you, let's say you're an international student and you don't want to jeopardize your visa with an arrest, okay? Um, that makes perfect sense. Uh, that makes perfect sense to me. And that, and that would be if you're an international student and you're arrested, I think you have a very strong likelihood of you're not coming back. Yeah, so I would, I would encourage a student who's here on a student visa to not participate in, um, in this um, confrontation. I think so. I think that things things like that that are uh, reasonable calculations. Another would be, what does your mom? What do your mom and dad want you to do? Okay. Um, well, okay. Uh, uh, I think the especially if they're helping pay the bills. <laughs> right. So I would I would defer to your folks if they're uh, th that sort of thing. So um, w what we've done at church on masking is don't judge your brother, don't judge your sister, don't say, uh, oh, you didn't come to the psalm saying you're a coward, or you did go to the psalm saying you're a scoff law. Don't, don't judge people that way um, because everybody's situation is different. I do hope that we have uh, double the size tomorrow. Um, I, I do hope that we get a lot of people, but not so much that I want to twist arms to get people to go. No. Uh, uh, yeah, my my can understanding. Can you repeat that? Yeah. Um, the question is about showing ID to the authorities. So my understanding. I'm not a lawyer. Get a lawyer if you want the legal answer to this. But my understanding is that you are not required to show your ID to officers unless you are actually um, in some way guilty of something. Um, and so, um, so there's a sense in which by, when an officer asks for ID, there's a sense in which you giving him your ID is agreeing with him that there's something about what you're doing that's at least suspect. So you've been pulled over, you might differ over, you know, five miles an hour, 10 miles an hour over the speed limit, but you hand your ID over because you think, well, yeah, probably something in there, you know, but, um, but uh, that's my understanding. So I know that at least in Gabe's case, he, he, he didn't really say no, but he didn't, he, he also was tr driving more at, this is all foolish, please don't do this. And um, so um, functionally didn't give over the ID, which I believe is maybe the, the thing that um, flipped over the uh, situation to actually arresting him. But that's my understanding of the situation is, is that you're not required if you're not in, a, in a, any kind of criminal, you know, you haven't broken any rules. You don't believe you've broken any rules. And it's important to add here that Gabe hadn't because he has a medical exemption. He's, he's deaf in one ear and he has a medical exemption and uh, which the police department found out when he was leaving. <laughs> uh, they, they, there was a response, but I think they had a responsibility before they arrest someone yeah. to run through the, um, do you have an exemption? Uh, th those sorts of things. So he had an exemption. So he knew that he was good in terms he wasn't breaking the law. And so when they ask for an ID, he doesn't have a responsibility to surrender the ID, ID if he knows that he's not done anything wrong. 
But that's that the the mere act of turning over your ID is not something that that's not the standard for you all. Right. I was just going to add the same thing as I I believe if I got my details right, I think the guy next to Gabe who got just a citation, I think he did give him his ID. And so again, these are tactical um, things to think through. There's no shade on anybody who, you know, the police officer asked for an ID, turned over. But we're not saying that that would be the height of cowardice or immoral or anything like that. So, yeah. uh, oh wait, there was one in the back first. Right. First, um, the, the question is, what is the primary purpose of these gatherings? Is it religious or is it political? Is it pr a protest with a religious veneer or is it a religious activity with uh, protesting side effectors? And I yes. Say, <laughs> yeah. And yes to all of that. It's fundamental. Basically, Jesus says not uh, Jesus prohibits praying so that other people can see. So if you're praying in a loud voice in a restaurant, Almighty God, bless this food. Um, <laughs> so everybody, every, everybody in that part of the restaurant swivels. Jesus says not to, not to do that. So uh, I would feel really uncomfortable, for example, having a prayer vigil on the steps of City Hall because Jesus says not to pray like that, not to be, don't pray to be seen by men. I, I think it's not as acute with psalm singing uh, but the same principle does apply because we're addressing God. We're addressing We're singing praises to God. We're addressing him because we are addressing God. I would say that's the fundamental thing that we're doing that that's the event. So we're worshiping God. It is a religious activity, but we're doing it in a particular location and the location that we're doing it in is the public square and we're doing it in the public square as an answer to what we believe is a tyrannical overreach. So, uh, yes, it's both. And I, and I think actually part of the other thing that the precedent for the both answer is that's actually wound into the First Amendment. The First Amendment winds these together. And it's, it's freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom of religion, freedom to petition the government for redress of grievances. It's all wound together. And so I, I, don't, I don't think it's any problem for us to say it's a First Amendment event. That's what it is. But within that First Amendment event, where I would say the, the tip of the spear is singing psalms to God. It's, it's religious at the tip of the spear. So I'm, I'm going to be sending, uh, so the question is why do it with singing? Why do it with song? Because Dr. Herb thinks we ought to do everything with singing. <laughs> 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 uh, 
have you even taken a music class? Um, so uh, I'm, I'm going to be sending out a link tomorrow, uh, a, a documentary that Nancy and I watched years ago uh, that uh, actually Peter Lightheart just emailed me today and um, said praying for you and keep on singing and good job. And, and he sent me that link, have you seen this? And I thought, oh, that's a great reminder. It's a documentary called The Singing Revolution, and it is about Estonia uh, and how they uh, sang their way free from the Soviet, uh, and it was a, literally, physically, a singing revolution. Uh, the reason we're doing it with song is uh, uh, placards and posters are impotent. Well, not fully impotent, but they're, compared to music, compared to the power of singing, they are very, um, it's a 22 caliber pistol as opposed to uh, nukes. So singing is powerful. And, and singing is expressly exempted Right, so, in other words, we, have, uh, we are in a position to protest this tyranny by doing an activity that the tyrant says is okay, and he's banking on nobody doing it. But we're, do but we're doing it. And I, don't, I think they've bitten off more than they can chew because singing is so powerful. One more. <laughs> just one teeny, just a teeny one. Yeah, say that again. Sorry. Everyone showed up and sang our three songs of doxology, but we all stood six feet apart. So no one's breaking the order. We wouldn't fit. It would, it, and so it would, it, basically what they're doing is they're diluting the crowd. They're saying, uh, if, if we, if we uh, got a thousand people in that little block singing, it would, it would rock the city. And if they say, well, you can only do it if you do it in a long line up to East City Park, that's saying, in effect, you can't do it. What, what we wanted to do is gather and sing. So when, when, the, uh, when you put on a concert, you don't have people scattered all over the auditorium. You, you put them all together on the risers because that's the, that's the way singing works. So um, the, the spacing is an arbitrary... Um, dictate that dilutes the effect of what we want to do. We want a potent, um, potent music. The, the other thing is that I, I would say, I think to direct answer to your question is, Caleb, is, is that no, I don't think it would be um, impotent necessarily. But, I, but to, to agree with what Pastor Doug's saying is, I think it is diluting it though. So, but I think the fact that you could sing, and again, there's some, you know, some folks say, I'm gonna come, but I'm gonna make sure I'm social distancing because I don't really, you know, I got something to do Friday night and I don't, you know, don't really want to spend it in the jail with Gabe again. Um, and, and, and so, it, you know, in that, in that case, I would, you know, then you're not, you're not it's, we're not saying that you're making this more impotent if you choose to do that. Right. Well, you, right. You're, you're making it more potent by just being there, by singing. Um, a bunch of us are gonna be live streaming it um, on the internet and we're going to be encouraging people to sing at home <laughs> you know if you're if you're at home you're in a nursing home wherever you are in the world sing with us um, and that's only adding to the potency of it not taking away 
Um, one other thought on the, the wor why worship, why sing, is maybe you've heard um, Pastor Wilson or other people walk through this, but the theme of worship as warfare all through the Bible is very rich. Um, I'm just reading through Genesis with my family again, and um, Abraham is brought into a land of Canaan that doesn't belong to him, but God says he's gonna give it to him. And, the, and Abraham starts building altars. These are not like three rocks on top of each other. These are massive barbecues, right? That's what they are. They're, they're large hills that could be seen for miles that you had to go up on that you'd kill big animals on. Um, and he basically said, okay, Lord, you're gonna give it to me. And he started worshiping God there in the land. Worship is the, is the tip of the spear. And, and, and we're in the same place. How, how do we take the land? We begin by offering sacrifices of praise. That's, that's our warfare. And then, you know, Jericho, what did they do? I mean, that's not exactly a normal military tactic, right? Um, what did they do in the days of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 22? He sent the choir out in front of the army and God set ambushes for him. So that's, that's part of the tactic as well. So just to repeat that, basically, make sure you count the cost. If you know what you're going to do, um, if you're going to if you're going to come or not, um, freedom, liberty of conscience. If you come, you decide, and only you decide whether you're going to comply with masks or, or distancing. If you decide not to, then count the cost beforehand. Don't just, uh, don't just assume it'll all be great. Um, thank you. Yes. yes, you. Yeah, what's the end goal? Um, how many are we going to, how often are we going to do this? Um, we are, uh, we were planning on doing it weekly, you know, indefinitely, you know, Wednesday and then Wednesday and Wednesday, and then these arrests happened and we thought we need to respond right away. So uh, that's not necessarily the pace. Every other day is not necessarily the pace um, that, that we're setting. Even if uh, David Erb would want us to. <laughs> so um, uh, the end game is a committee, uh, a committee for referendum on the masks has formed and we are going to be submitting a petition to the city tomorrow that will approve the form. It'll have 20 signatures on it. They approve the form and the wording of the referendum and then our energy is going to go into collecting signatures to put a referendum on the ballot. When the referendum, when we get to 1400 signatures, then there'll be a special election or maybe it'll be folded into the general, I don't know, but there'll be a, an election and the citizens of Moscow will vote up or down uh, whether to continue the masking order or not. So 
Well, actually, we, um, yes, it's, it was uh, drawing attention to what we were doing, the fact that we're doing the referendum and this was not accidental, but then the city put a big spotlight on the whole thing and created a lot of awareness of, on, on this. So they sort of accelerated it. So I, I wouldn't expect that we would be doing 50 flash psalm sings, no. I, I think that we're gonna, it's gonna settle into a, uh, a pace. And one of the things that I'm, I'm anticipating is the city government has been acting in a very unaccountable way. So they've been having open mic nights at the city council meeting and you get your three minutes and then they do whatever they were gonna do. Um, and this, if we get this on the referendum, it's gonna be an actual hot button live political issue that they're gonna to have to stand up in public and debate. They're gonna to have to defend it. And, and between you and me, they, they're not in no position to defend it. And so they're gonna, I'm, uh, I'm hoping, my prayer is that the city um, comes to terms before we get to an election. Like, if, if it looks like we're collecting signatures like crazy, um, I'd like the city to just quietly let the masking order die. I, I think one thing that's important to keep in mind is I, I think that when particularly modern politicians enact law, they think that they are enacting uh, bureaucratic, bureaucratic administrative policy, but they don't realize, or at least they're not thinking about the fact that when they enact this, now people with guns on their waist go out and enforce it and throw you in prison if you don't keep it. And I don't think that they have approached this with the level of seriousness that they ought to have. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't think that they were really thinking that way last week at the city council meeting when they so flippantly made the, this decision. And I do think one of the things that the protest has done is brought a real sobering, eye-opening moment of, wait a minute, what are we doing? And I think one of the things that would be really important for all of us to be doing is that, you know, you, you ask the question, well, what's the end goal? Well, um, remember that the real end goal is um, the spread of the gospel. We, we want all of Christ for all of life, for all of Moscow, for all the world also, but we're here in Moscow. We want it for all of Moscow. And so one of the things that I think we ought to really be um, thinking about is praying for this to be the kind of moment that actually that God would use to soften the hearts of the people around us. Um, I gave the, the midweek exhortation um, uh, on Christ, at Christ Church just right before going to the protest and the last thing I ended with was Paul and Silas in prison singing and they're, they're arrested and they're sitting there singing in prison. I didn't realize how sort of appropriate that text would be for what was gonna happen in the next hour. But um, it's interesting how they're sitting there singing and then it says, and all the other prisoners are sitting there listening. And, and I think that our prayer ought to be that our singing would be something that all the other prisoners would hear, that people in Moscow would actually have their hearts softened. And I think we should especially be praying for our mayor and city council who are um, whizzed up in an indefensible sort of uh, position that I think that they're backed into. And they, the only thing that can get them out is um, God's spirit on them, humbling their hearts and helping them come to repentance and unclench their fists so that they can see what they're doing to the town. But I would make sure that you're um, praying for our town and praying for all of these people as we're going to these events. Ben just reminded me of something, and that is, uh, this has to do with another goal of the, this, is the city, they were saying at the city council meeting that they've got 90% compliance, 
that they're, they've got overwhelming support from the city for what they're doing. And it's because they're ignoring the people who differ. And they, they've said, we, uh, there's just a few troublemakers here and there. And they've, they quit um, putting masking issues into the police report in the newspaper so that you, you can't see um, if you, you can't see a record of uh, masking uh, uh, problems. Uh, and this, what this does is forces uh, recognition. No, there's a huge chunk of the population here that has a big problem with this. Brett. I would say, so the question is, if parents have said, I'd rather you not go to the psalm sing, um, and a, uh, I would say, if your parents are paying your way, you absolutely must obey them, right? Because you're, you're still a dependent, right? Um, and I think that if uh, you've got a good relationship with them, but you're paying your own way, I think you, you should most likely do what they say, right? I think you should cultivate your relationship with your parents um, is going to have a long term, longer term cultural impact than your presence at the psalm sing. So uh, that, that's the thing. Now, I wouldn't, if, you, if there's a deep divide and something to work through, I'd continue to talk with them about it and we'll have other psalm sings coming up and I would, I would respectfully be looking for an opportunity to uh, have them, okay, okay, uh, you know, let's, let's see how it goes. So, but my default is, Honor, uh, honor your parents wherever possible. One of you. The re uh, so the question is, what does the referendum process look like? Um, a recall, uh, basically a recall election to recall the mayor or a council member is you have to gather 20% of the signatures of all registered voters. So for a Moscow city councilman, um, you'd count up all the registered voters and 20% of that is how many signatures you'd have to get, which is in Moscow, 3,000. Um, for a referendum, which is not targeting a particular office holder, it's, it's um, in instituting or removing a law, okay? The threshold there is smaller. That's 20% of all the people who voted in the previous election. And there were 7,000 people who voted in the last city council election. It's about 1,400 signatures. So when we get 1,400 signatures, then the, the thing that they signed, this revocation of the masking order that they signed will go on the ballot. There will be a special election held, and then everybody will show up and vote on whether uh, to keep it or throw it out. And it's an up or down vote on the mask mandate in particular. So, so and then it's gone. Yeah, if, they've, if the people voted out, it's out immediately. Yeah. If the vote what? What does the vote have to be to pass the oh, referendum? I think it's a simple majority. Simple yeah. majority.
it's not it's not been happening no, that, yeah th those were the first ones so it sets the precedent and the question does does it quench the thirst or does it become the beginning of a new thing right say that again no court precedent I don't I don't believe so I, th I believe these will be the first court cases um, that for, for these situations but you need to keep in mind this is a misdemeanor misdemeanor has a maximum penalty of a thousand dollars or six months in jail that's that's as bad as it can get on a misdemeanor but it's serious enough where a person can plead not guilty and request a jury trial so if so if, let's say uh, 500 people show up tomorrow and they issue you know let's say there's five more arrests and five more citations okay what we can what we can do is encourage all the people who are in that position plead not guilty and request a jury trial okay if the, and we can keep this up as long as you can <laughs> in fact longer <laughs> so that's that basically this is a, this is a showdown or is a it's a game of chicken and also um, don't worry uh, you can actually hold public office and have a misdemeanor on your record so you can still vote for Gabe <laughs> can we go in the in the back corner Miss Landis back here So if the so if cry, it goes on cry, <laughs> so basically if the um, if the mask order goes to a referendum and the people of Moscow vote to keep the masks, right. then we deserve to live here. So what it, what it boils down to is at least that would be a decision that was made fair and square, right? And I would have um, I would still avoid. Uh, masking up as much as I possibly could, but I wouldn't have the same um, uh, gut reaction against it that I do now, because it really was uh, fairly imposed. Does that make sense? Yes, also in the back. Sorry, what was the question? Uh, they were, uh, she asked, were the people participating in the Black Lives Matter rallies uh, wearing masks or social distancing? I would say, um, there, I walked by one of them and I would, I would say it was sort of about half and half. I, well, I watched my it estimate. Out, out my window and I mean the first big one, the majority, majority being 70 to 80% were masked pretty much no social distancing, a 20 to 30% unmasked. But the other piece to remember is that when that happened was when we were at a um, order to not have gatherings of over 50 people, and it was a, a couple hundred. And that was by the state. Yeah. Right? So we were still in phase two and Governor Little's um, reopening plan. And it did have police all just standing and staring. Yeah. And, and I, I can add this um, festive little extra. Um, there was a couple hundred people at the BL, BLM rally in Friendship Square. So we immediately applied for a permit to have our own psalm sing in Friendship Square to do just what they did. And, to, and we wanted to see what the city would do. And the city dithered and then their computer, uh, you know, they didn't want to answer us. They didn't, they didn't want to. Uh, but finally, they um, sent us back the form approved and 
on the event, there was a place where the, the person holding the event fills in how many people are going to be there. And we had maybe 300 people come. Um, and when the form got back to us from the city, they filled that in for us. All right, so they said there, there will be, they said on our behalf, there will be 50 people at, <laughs> at this uh, event. So we had our 300 anyway. They were, they were just trying to cover themselves because they, they, they were not dealing with us and the Black Lives Matter with equal weights and measures, no. Right. JT. So the question is whether we are concerned about the events of yesterday as a slippery slope toward possible persecution or whether it was persecution proper. That, that's why, that's why the, uh, the Portland protests, the Seattle protests, the Minneapolis protests, the New York protests, all, Louis, all, Louisville. Louisville, all of these things are, uh, at some point early on in 2020, I thought, God's just messing with us. <laughs> um, because the, the hypocrisy of how people are dealt with is so flagrant. Um, so if, uh, and we've joked, if, if the police came in to uh, church service and said, what are you doing all here? Uh, and I, you know, the joke would be, well, we're, we're protesting the death of George Floyd, right? Uh, okay, carry on, you know, <laughs> carry on. Here's our bricks. Here's our bricks. If we, had gone, if we had gone over one block and tried to burn down the federal building, um, we would have gotten sympathetic treatment from all the people who are upset with us for singing a song. Okay, in other words, this, this is an unequal weights and measures system, and I, I think it's flagrantly persecution. Uh, so we've, we've come out of decades of court battles on bake the cake and, and make the flower arrangement, and you've got to, you've got to you're, you're, you run a risk of being fired from this corporation if you don't celebrate, uh, you know, if you don't celebrate um, Pride Day, um, one of our uh, one of our immigrants that just got, arrived here in Moscow within the last six months was an ER doctor uh, on the East Coast. And after she left that hospital, the word went down to I think it was at right after she left the hospital. The word went down to every employee of the hospital that they were going to take a knee for ten minutes in memory of George Floyd. Okay, so. Uh, this is a full court press. We, we, we want to insist that you conform to this intersectional critical theory approach to, to God and man. And then you conservative Christians over here are filled with hate. So the fact that, the fact that um, we could get arrested doing what we were doing 
And I could guarantee you that if it was a leftist BLM protest, they would have to be 10 times worse. Right? They'd have to be 10 times worse to get arrested. And I think in a town like Moscow, they probably could get arrested if they busted out enough shop windows. But we've seen, we've seen numerous cities burn with the orders to the police to stand down. Yeah. And don't miss the fact of how religious those are. They're taking knees. They're putting on particular uniforms. They're holding stupid pieces of fabric across the fields, in which I don't even know what it means. But there, it's all kinds of liturgical and religious, and they're, they're doing their special songs and their special liturgical actions. And even though they you know, would deny that it's a religion, it absolutely is a religion. And that religion is in the process of being established. And, and our Christian faith is in the process of being expunged. We got time for one last question. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Do you think if someone's going to be cited, do you think strategically it's good to have that extra uh, charge against you, or is it better to just have the city ordinance charge against? Depends on how much time you have. <laughs> it, it depends <laughs> on the time on the time and the posi position you're in. So, for example, had had they approached me and asked for identification, I would have given them my ID. I. I didn't have, now I probably would have said something like, you know who I am. Um, <laughs> and and uh, um, on Tyler Marines was the guy who was cited standing next to Gabe. And they asked for Gabe's ID uh, like they didn't know who he was. He's running for county commissioner and there's signs of him, pictures of him all over the place. <laughs> and then on Tyler Marines citation, he, he was cited for standing next to Gabe Wrench. Yeah. Right, so. Yeah, it's on. It's on there. So, uh, so he knows they they knew who he was, and so this is it's a little kabuki theater here. But if um, if you're Gay Branch running for county commissioner in Moscow, Idaho, and you're deaf you in got, one ear, and you're deaf in one ear, ear, and you got yourself arrested, and you're on Laura Ingram tonight talking to all, talking to millions of people across the country. You kind of fell into chocolate pie, right? <laughs> if, if you're an NSA student and you get, you know, they walk up to you and, and you say, uh, show, show us your ID, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't keep it simple and show them your ID. I think we better um, wrap it up, but um, you. a few just sort of closing comments. Um, if you can remember at the very beginning of the school year, the first Disputatio, I talked about Lewis saying that the world is always sharpening and coming to a point and that we're always being sharpened and that every day we wake up and the next morning, all of a sudden you have to new, make a new and harder decision than the one you had to make yesterday. And this year is just full of it and you're experiencing it all right now. So um, pray for uh, wisdom from God. 
Um, consider the advice and counsel that you get from your parents and uh, as well as from your ministers. Know that we do not give you legal counsel. We are not your lawyers, but I do think that there's a lot of wisdom that you're hearing here. Know that this um, is a trial that's a gift from God and something that we can actually turn a profit on. And I believe this is a moment that uh, God is using to actually advance his kingdom here in Moscow. So um, when, you know, we were talking about this uh, last night and, you know, you, you see the, you know, the sad scene of, you know, the, the Bonets being walked off in handcuffs. And I was telling my kids, you need to see this is what the moment right before checkmate looks like. You know, th this is an actual advance and a blessing and a gift. God advances his kingdom always through these series of what looks like a total catastrophe and defeat. Um, we advance not by beating people up, taking over. We advance by laying ourselves down and, um, and loving our town, which is, I think, what is happening. And, and then the last thing is, um, I think uh, Pastor Wilson said it, but I just want to emphasize it again. You each have a different set of circumstances in front of you. And, um, and I really think it's really important that we withhold uh, that quick snap judgment about what's motivating different people. Uh, as I said before, if you're a foreign student, I just think it's not a good idea uh, to get yourself arrested because it's pretty much all over for you. Um, and I think that other people have different circumstances that they have to consider. For me, you know, the fact that I wear hearing aids is, puts me basically in the category of Gabe that I'm basically immune. And uh, it, it- From COVID. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so so there's, a, there's a greater degree of confidence that I walk into a grocery store with than, um, than you all get to have. And it's just the way the, the cards are dealt. Don't think that there's judgment on you if you don't make all the same decisions that I would make. And from an NSA perspective, um, don't think that we have like the reverse U of I policy where at U of I, if you're not on a mask, you know, you're out of there. Don't think that if you come to NSA with a mask on, you're out of there. Um, you're fine. You, you, you get to make your decision. We really do want to leave this up to personal conscience. One other thing, I'm glad I remembered it. Um, this has made a big splash nationally. We're having the psalm sing tomorrow. Uh, we have some indications that people are going to be driving in from all over the Northwest for the psalms for three songs. Uh, now, this is wonderful, A, and B, there might be some nutters involved in it. <laughs> so it's it, North Idaho. It, it, we have some, some people might come out of the woods, and if you see somebody there with a holster, with a swastika on it, uh, let one of the elders know. Mm -hmm. um, if you see something odd, um, say, something. say something, because the devil would like nothing, um, nothing better than to have somebody do something outrageous from, the, uh, from within our ranks. So if you see something weird or odd or off, um, uh, let, us, uh, let us know about it. Can I ask you to close yeah. in prayer, Doug? Father in heaven, thank you for your kindness to us. I, uh, we uh, submit this whole uh, situation to you. I pray that you would be glorified. Whatever happens, I pray that you, you and your son and your spirit would all uh, be glorified and that your people, you would sh uh, show kindness to your people. I pray that this would be a, a, a good turning point in uh, our relationship with many people in Moscow. I, I pray that they would see this and feel this as a breath of fresh air. And I pray that you would do all these things because we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Amen.